Stefania, I saw you come to the front. Would you mind still sharing that word? I don't know where you are, but I saw you. Sorry. <laughs> Stefani doesn't like the spotlight, but I think you're going to share it better. It's a word uh, that was an intercession or picture this morning. And, uh, yeah, you will know if it's applicable to you, but the Lord just showed, usually when we see an intercession, the, the rocks in the road, there is a blockage or a... And sometimes it's offense, sometimes it's unforgiveness. But the Lord just showed again this morning that there is rocks. And what tends to happen is then we stop or we turn around, but we don't push through really. And then what, when I asked him what, what would help us push through, what would eliminate the rock, um, one of the things, and Jock was praying about the word, and the Lord said that is one of the ways, is my word would soften, my word would break the rock. So that was it. Yeah, I mean, thanks. Yeah, and just with that, I think what Debbie prayed now, and Simon, thanks what you shared. That kind of like I could just really resonate with that, and that summarized a lot for me in terms of what I feel God is also doing currently um, amongst us. So, if let's see if some new faces. Uh, my name is Jacques, one of the elders here, and I'm. Continuing this morning with a message I started two weeks ago, um, and the, I called it the flow-through principle, and today um, we're moving on to commit to forgiving others, um, and I tried my best to, to stay authentic and draw something. Um, I thought maybe I should draw something better, but I thought that would be less authentic, right? So let me keep the original one. I don't know if that counts. But what I try to draw, maybe um, it's not that clear, and I would understand that, but is the flow-through principle. Um, the bottom picture is flow-through. The top one is it flows in till here, and when it doesn't go through it, doesn't return, and um, just like with what Stefani shared now, getting to that rock and almost having to turn around. And what this represents for me in terms of um, the, the message is, I think the song that Harry led us in, the one line said, if you have been forgiven. So if you have been forgiven, the word teaches us to forgive. If you have received forgiveness through Christ Jesus, the flow through of that is for you to forgive. That's the freedom for which Christ has set us free. And like Simon mentioned now, part of that is walking in that freedom means we let God flow through us, have his way in us. And that would mean we recognize, accept his forgiveness by walking it out in our own lives, letting it flow through us. And we've heard, I think there's a lot of great teaching about forgiveness, but what I've found for myself is accepting God's forgiveness is the start of us forgiving. We're not forgiving from a place of our own strength and what we've accomplished and what we get right and because we get things figured out we forgive because we have been forgiven. And as we will see in, in, in some of the scriptures, to the extent 
that we do not allow that flow through to happen, we're almost not accepting, we're rejecting the forgiveness of God. Um, and we'll delve deeper into that. And just as a principle, I know many times when we chat about forgiveness, we immediately think, okay, do I have something against someone right now? Okay, don't feel like that. Okay, I can relax. This message is not for me. Um, it is for you. Because as we would see, at some stage, offense will come. How I see it is, if you to the Dakar, that's a race they build buckies and stuff, and they go right in the desert. If you get into the desert and your axis breaks, your, something in your car breaks, then you need to fix it right there. But if you're going to do the Dakar, the chances that you're going to break your axis is quite good. So to, to know the principles and how to fix your access is important because it's going to happen, whether you feel it now or not. And Jesus spoke about that in his parable of building on sand versus building on rocks. And what he said is, if you do what the word says, you build on rock. If you just listen, you build on sand. But what will happen is the storms will come. That's a given. The storms will come, but the question then would not be, would be, did you build on rock? Did you apply it? And I think for many of us, we're relatively young. I mean, I think like our president is in his 70s. None of us are there yet. I mean, double our age, and for most of us, only then we get there. So we have this time to build on a foundation that is strong, to apply the word. It's difficult sometimes when you get into a scenario to then apply the word, although um, it would still be important then, but to now in this phase of your life to make a decision to commit to following God's word. And I think like Stefani also mentioned in terms of just living from a place of obeying the word. And that's my hope for us today, is that we'll commit to following Jesus in obeying His Word and His principles. And that we'll, through that, bear fruit in keeping um, with repentance. So, in terms of forgiveness, it's foundational to, the king, to kingdom principles. It's foundational to the Christian faith. Without forgiveness... They basically would not be Christianity, right? If Jesus didn't forgive us, we won't, wouldn't have been sitting here. I wouldn't want to think what would have happened, but God in His yeah, amazing grace and mercy sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins because we could not die for it ourselves. And maybe that's just something to mention. We don't earn salvation by forgiving others. We earn salvation by faith through grace in Jesus Christ, okay? So it's not a matter of earning our salvation or, for that matter, keeping our salvation. Um, we don't keep our salvation by forgiving others. We keep our salvation by faith in Jesus. But, as we would see the parable shows, to the, to the degree that we don't forgive others, that's also a reflection to the degree that we have received the forgiveness of Christ Jesus in our lives. Okay, so with that, I would want us to 
go to the scripture um, in Matthew 18. And this is a, almost a cornerstone parable in terms of unpacking this. So that we went through a little bit more detail through it last week. So please do listen to that if you um, weren't able to um, till thus far. Um, sorry about the spacing. Um, it doesn't come out the way. I wanted it to, but it's the team did well to get it onto the screen. Um, so let's read there. Matthew 18 from 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold. And with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And when that same servant went out, he found one of his servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down and pleaded with him, um, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So, so I want to, I'll touch on some of uh, these things, but this is, like I said, found almost a key parable in terms of just understanding this dynamic. Now, just if we go to that first part of the scripture, just where Peter asks uh, about this. Now, I told this to someone at work during the week, a fellow CA, and I said, yeah, 70 times 77. And last week I asked someone to calculate it for us, and they said 539. Um, but then my fellow CA said, no ways, that's not 539, that's 490. And I said, what, yeah, that's 70 times 7 is 490. How did we get to 539? This is just a joke that I'm telling, so it's not. Um, and I realize some of the translations, some speak about 77 times 7, others speak 70 times 7. It's not really about the number. Um, it's about the extent to which we forgive. What Jesus was basically telling us is it's not about keeping... If you had to keep a track of a number of times, you would have gotten lost anyway, and you would have just kept on forgiving the person. Um, 
but like 1 Corinthians 13 tells us not to keep record of wrong. And Peter was thinking he was um, being generous by saying, Lord, even as much as 70 time, seven times, and Jesus came and said, no, even more than that. And that it's the principle of continually forgiving. And many times, um, when we hear something like that, we might have a but moment. And I think with all of this, it's just for that to be a flag in your heart. If there's a but moment, then that means there's something to forgive someone about. There's a place in your heart where don't, don't try to justify yourself around it. Just note the flag that there's something in your heart that feels, un when you hear that, you maybe feel some kind of uneasy tug or something. Um, and just to, to flag that in your heart. And then the next part, we get to the part where the king um, forgives the debts of the servant. And just to say for those who weren't there, that amount of talent spoken of can be translated into billions today. And the, the long of the shortest, he would have never been able to repay it, right? Even though he said, let me repay it, he, he wasn't able. It wouldn't have been repaid in his lifetime with what he was doing. It was before Bitcoin, so there was no way of leveraging that. Um, and it speaks to us the fact that we've been forgiven of so much of our sins, something that we could have never repaid. It's by faith in Jesus that our sins um, have been paid and that we've been forgiven of more than we can ever forgive ourselves. You have received more forgiveness of which you can, if, if you think of it in terms of money, you have received more money that you, that you can spend possibly. And we need to grab onto God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We need to hold on to that. We need to grab onto Hebrews 2 verse 3 says, um, how shall we escape? Uh, the total the whole verse escapes me, but how shall um, say that again? Yeah, how shall we escape if we neglect such as, as salvation? So great. Sorry, English is my second language. <laughs> um, so just the fact, don't let it out of sight of the fact of what you have been forgiven of. Matthew 7, Jesus says, look, don't look at someone, the speck in their own eyes. Look at the um, log in your own eye first. And it almost speaks to that type of dynamic. You've been forgiven of more than anyone could ever sin against you. And in this parable, we saw that the servant forgot or didn't uh, acknowledge that in a way. The fact that he's been forgiven of way more, but still he decided to claim that debt of someone else. And how do we um, let, almost want to say, if we say grab hold of God's forgiveness of our life, how do we um, neglect that? It's by letting ourselves move into a place of unforgiveness, of keeping track of the sins against us. So the unforgiving servant, the question is, did he um, really receive God's forgiveness through the cross of Jesus Christ? Um, his sin has been paid, but he didn't um, let it flow forward in that sense.
and we see that the king's response was to hand him over to the tormentors, is what I think the King James Version says. They speak about jailers in the ESV. So there's a, how I see it and understand it is that we get handed over to our own devices. If we want to, how the kingdom works is we receive forgiveness, we give forgiveness. If we don't play by that rules, then in terms of receiving forgiveness ourselves, we see that in um, the Our Father, we pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive others their sins. And then in verse 14 to 15 in Matthew 6, it says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. So it's clear that there's not a plan B. We don't forgive our trespasses won't be forgiven. Um, this is not an optional thing for us to almost buy and decide, I'll forgive when I'm ready. Because I think sometimes that's also the trap, is we think we'll forgive when we're ready, and then just time goes by, um, and we see what the Scripture says about that. We look further um, into other scriptures that just expands on that in the New Testament. We see that in Colossians um, 3. We can go to that next one. That's verse 12 to 13. I know it shows up funny there. There's not 123 verses in Colossians 3. Um, it's just error. Um, so it reads, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against you, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And again, sometimes when I read it the first time, I find myself focusing on so also you must forgive rather than as the Lord has forgiven you. The realization that we've been forgiven of much more, therefore we forgive. We don't forgive from a place of being good persons or because... Um, today's general consensus would be that it's good to forgive because if you don't forgive, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person um, dies. Although that's true, that's the wrong reasoning. We don't, as Christians, forgive others because it's a good thing to do. We do it from a place of following Jesus. So it actually comes back that parable starts with the kingdom of heaven is like. We want to be in the kingdom, follow the ways of Jesus. It requires us to walk in this way. There's not a, another way that it works in the kingdom. Forgiveness is foundational to the kingdom. And it's, we forgive from a place of having been forgiven. Focusing on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's about our eyes, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because if we think about it almost practically... Once we stop forgiving or we hold back forgiveness, it's difficult to keep following Jesus on the one side, but then we want to hold unforgiveness in our hearts. It's like my wife, Nita, I mean, I'm married to her, right? 
Um, it's like saying, hey, I'm married to her, but hey, it's, I have a, it's not exclusive. In extreme case, I have a, another woman in my life as well, but hey, don't let that fool you. Nita stays my wife. Hey, I'm still committed to her. Yes, there's another woman, but, and that's the type of a thing that's happening with us in our hearts when we decide to hold on to unforgiveness. We say we want to follow Jesus, we want to follow him in the kingdom, but at the same time, we're keeping the space in our hearts for unforgiveness, justifying it because of, for different reasons. Um, we see the same in Ephesians 4. Um, it says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. So we need to forgive others to the extent that Christ has forgiven us. So the question is, to what extent has Christ forgiven you? Um, do I have my artwork up there? So if we say Christ has forgiven us, just come in. Um, then it should flow through. As Christ has forgiven you, Christ has forgiven us of everything. He has delivered us completely, Colossians says, out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of uh, His beloved Son. Galatians 5 says, for freedom's sake, Christ has set us free, completely free, like Simon mentioned earlier. But there is a place for us to walk that out. We've been given that responsibility together of that freedom, like Simon so beautifully said. It's not to use it on our own um, ambitions or, or urges or anything like that, but it's in following Christ. We've been set free to such an extent in following Christ. We can do all things through Christ um, that strengthens us. Um, and what that means is stewarding that grace on our life and letting that forgiveness flow through in forgiving others. Um, so as Christ forgave us, we see this just as some areas in the Bible where it's reflected in Genesis 37. We all know about the story of Joseph. Um, I mean, how he went into jail. His brother sold him into slavery uh, out of jealousy. And despite this betrayal and years of hardship, um, Joseph forgives his brothers when they come seeking food during the famine. And what does he tell them? Do not fear, for I am, am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now, that's almost the power of the gospel in the Old Testament already. Um, him walking in that forgiveness. And, I mean, to, what would have happened if Joseph felt, I made it up here. Um, I'm now second in command in Egypt. I'm going to hold back forgiveness. Would we have had the 12 tribes? Um, I mean, his brothers became, the 12 tribes was named after Joseph. And we can just see the trajectory, if you want to call it that, differences that it makes in just following in God's ways, not to, to focus on why it's good in forgiving, because it really is, but because it's important in following Christ. Um, we even see that with Stephen in Acts 7, um, where he's stoned um, to death for preaching the gospel. And as he is being killed, 
he prays, Lord, do not hold the sin against them, showing um, that radical forgiveness, even in that extreme persecution. And obviously, with Jesus himself praying on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, um, what they are doing. And we see that our commitment to forgiveness, to forgiving others, flows from a place of following Christ. Cannot say we want to follow Christ, but we decide we're not going to forgive. And again, it might currently in your life not be the biggest um, thing, but over the years, and we're going to get to that, but I think it's good mentioning it now as well, people are going to sin against you, right? Believers in church is going to sin against you. Um, people are people. We, we are f- unfortunately are fallen beings being redeemed, but we're going to sin against one another. So somewhere in your life, maybe it's 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now, someone is going to sin against you. And maybe to a degree that you really feel this is unjust. Um, but because of our commitment to following Christ, we choose to forgive. And I want you today to start thinking of making that commitment that you will forgive forever. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, are you going to make a commitment to forgive forever? I don't have to answer. You can just ask it to them. So like I said, it flows from following Christ. It's because of our following of Christ that we choose to forgive. It's not because of personal preference that we decide it's a good thing to forgive. And like I said earlier, it's like me saying, Nita is my wife, but I also have another woman, but hey, I'm managing it. It doesn't work like that. You cannot manage unforgiveness in your heart at the same time. That's why Jesus in the parable most came down um, so hard on that. Maybe if we can go back to that last verse of um, portion of the parable um, in Matthew 18, Peter, Matthew 18, 31 to 35. Sorry, I'm jumping back. Yeah, this is good. Um, And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And we see there, it needs to happen from the heart. It's not only saying it. And that might be a process. Forgiving others is a process. It's a place of saying it. Many people use the example of an onion that has many layers. And you might forgive someone now. But later on you realize, okay, it's not completely finished and dealt with. It still needs some attention and you need to forgive again. Or they just sin against you after you clearly told them not to do it. Um, And Peter said, hey Lord, maybe seven times is enough. And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven um, is enough. If you can keep count, otherwise just keep on forgiving. Um, Obviously, like I said earlier, we don't keep count. Um, And That's so beautiful about 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 that says, love does not keep track of those things. It does not keep count of it. 
Um, so we need to choose to focus on what Jesus did in our lives. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, that principle in Matthew 7, take out the log of, out of your own eye before you look at the speck in someone else's eye. Just it helps to realize that we've been forgiven of more than we can ever forgive others of. Um, so it's that flow-through principle that we mentioned. Galatians 5, I'll just read the verse. For freedom's sake, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to this yoke of slavery. Unforgiveness is slavery. It's slavery. It's like standing in an open jail with a door open and deciding not to exit. Um, that's what we do. We get put back, we get handed back to the jailers because of our own decision-making. Um, I see it as, I mean, who of you know what a check is? I know it, it's something they used long ago. <laughs> These days, I mean, most things are electronic um, and all that, but back in the day, I don't know. Yeah, these days, who knows what. But there was a paper that you signed, and that was a check. And when the person, you get the check, you take it to the bank, and you cash it in. Because the check was a promise um, to the receiver of money being paid over to him. And when that is taken to the bank, then it's converted, and the person either gets it in his account, or cash is paid. And... The picture that I almost saw is that receiving God's forgiveness, he has written out the check, and it's, it's, not, a, it's not an earthly one that's going to bounce, but we need to walk it out. And by not forgiving others, we're basically rejecting the forgiveness that he has given us. So our lives are not our own. If we decided to follow Christ, our lives are not our own. We've been bought to a fair price. So we actually do not have a choice in this, whether we're going to forgive or not. If we follow Jesus, that's part of following him, of picking up our cross and following him. Um, sometimes we think it's just other suffering, but it's also part of that, I think, of just experience that suffering of being sinned against. Um, I mean... Yeah, before I jump to that, I'll get to that point just now. But it's foundational for our walk as Christians to decide that we're going to forgive. Like I said, within 10 or 40 years' time, you almost need to make that decision now. I love how on the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua asks Israel, um, decide for yourself this day whether you're going to choose to follow the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will um, follow the Lord. I want that decision to be made in your heart. Decide whether you're going to follow the Lord. Don't decide one day if it works out for you and all that. Decide now. Are you going to follow the Lord and then with that, commit to the forgiveness? Because we know it's going to happen. If we go to, I can't remember if you know where we are now, but you can go to the coming soon slide. Because we know, you know what? It's coming soon. In a circumstance, in your heart, and in your life, it's going to come soon. And after that, guess what? It's going to come again. We see Jesus taught that in Luke 17. This is our second part scripture. He said, um, 
temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than he should cause one of his little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins again against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So there's two, there's a few things that I would like to point out in this. He says, he starts with temptation to sin are sure to come. He doesn't speak about the person committing the offense for which forgiveness is needed. What he says about the person committing the sin that's able to make someone stumble, he says it would be better for a millstone to be hung around his neck and to be cast into the sea than to cause one of his little ones to sin. And in that sense, little ones could mean little of faith, young believer, someone that's just not strong enough. And that's just a, a caution for us to make sure that we do not make others sin. Um, and I mean, there's verses speaking towards if you are busy worshiping and you realize someone has something against you, go and fix it with that person. Just speaking to, there's a responsibility on us whether someone has a just reason, um, whether, because sometimes there's a sin happen against you. And it's just to be angry about that sin. Sometimes it can be our perception. I'll get to, to that now. But So just Jesus saying that many times there's sin happening, horrible stuff happening in the world, war, um, rape, uh, horrible stuff. And he says, it, and that could make people stumble because they don't, have, they don't forgive because of that. Something happens to them and they grow hard in their heart and the sin they then do is that they do not forgive. And Jesus says that it would be better for someone that caused that for a millstone to be hung around his neck. But then he goes on and he says, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So Jesus says, Temptation to sin are sure to come. Pay attention to yourself. Watch out. It's coming soon. Um, someone will sin against you, and if they repent, forgive him. And we can see there that it's going to happen, and there's going to be multiple scenarios. And reasons for offense or holding um, unforgiveness on our hearts, like I said, there might, might be just reasons, right? Um, someone maybe deliberately sinned against you, or someone you know, um, I mean... These things happen all the time. But like we see, we cannot hold unforgiveness in our heart. Um, Jesus says, be angry, but do not sin. I mean, one can go down that, interpreting that. But I think the big thing is, we, we don't have a right to hold unforgiveness in our hearts. We should make sure that we don't act out of unforgiveness. But we don't have defense mechanisms set up because of unforgiveness. And I realize that and always fears that I work somewhere there might be something where it's not like blatant unforgiveness. But I build a defense mechanism around a certain thing. And in that 
there's sometimes unforgiveness that I might not even be aware of. Um, and, and just something for us to, to take a, um, note of, that to be free, to walk in that freeness, free, freeness that Galatians 5 speaks of, of standing in that freedom for which Christ has set us free in, we need to forgive. And like we saw now, the temptation to sin is coming. And we can say the temptation to not forgive is coming. And guess what? It's not coming through the front door. It's not going to knock. They say, hi, I'm unforgiveness. I'm here to make you stumble. Um, come in. It's going to be possibly in your times of seeking God. I mean, various scenarios. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised when it comes in an unsuspected way. And because of that unjustness, um, we will probably suffer. Um, and the Bible speaks to how we should rejoice in various trials and suffering. If you think about the parable of a servant, um, the servant owed him money. It wasn't that he was cruel in saying, give me my money. It was just of him to ask for his money. It wasn't a unjust thing that he asked for and many times that might be the scenario it might not be that your reason for wanting to withhold forgiveness might seem just so we need to forgive as we have been forgiven and we need to commit to forgiving others forever right turn to your neighbor and say commit to forgiving others forever slide do I have next? Um, so, in committing to forgiving others, it's, it starts with committing to forgive others, but then we need to build action plans around that and some basic things that, that can be very helpful and that we should take note of is accountability is key. Surround yourself with believers that can help you check your blind spots. They maybe pick up your speaking funny about this person. Don't be that person that um, starts bad-mouthing bad someone together with that person, even furthering his um, unforgiveness. Point it out um, and Again, sometimes we might feel, wow, that was really unjust that they suffered through. Let them have their unforgiveness just for a while. But we know where that ends, and that's not part of following Jesus. So that there is a process behind all of us. It's not instant, but we need to commit to the process of um, forgiveness and to have no tolerance for unforgiveness in our hearts. We know it's going to come. It's not a sin of experiencing that feeling of bitterness and unforgiveness. It's what we do with it. Um, like Jesus said, get angry but do not sin. It's not a sin to get angry, but it's what we do with that anger. If we act out of that anger in a sinful way, then that causes further sin and a lot of other things. And to take a stance now in following Jesus, like 
Joshua did in saying, for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Choose whom you'll serve this day. Don't serve yourself or your own passions or own feelings only. Um, choose with whom your allegiance is. Is it with Jesus? Um, then choose to follow him and his word. Build your house on the rock, not on the sand. The sand is the easy way because it takes some digging to get the rock. Build it on the rock. Hebrews 12, I don't have it on the screen, but it speaks about, um, I'm going to read some parts of it. From Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 11, speaks about um, discipline. And it says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. So we see, not rejecting, drawing closer. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So remember the tormentors, the jailers? Sometimes we experience that in our lives where we hold unforgiveness, and you can actually experience that emotionally, um, the effect of unforgiveness. And I think how I see that is as a way of discipline, um, getting us back on the path. And that tormentors or jailers, it's speaking about, um, I, I looked it up on Google, but on like the N1, if you go over the yellow line, they call it rumble strips, also known as sleeper lines or alert strips. Or think about it as road railing, so that when you start drifting off a road, you feel your car bumping or doing that. That's almost a warning sign that you're drifting off a road. And in the same way, when we feel that discipline of the Lord or feel um, that the effects of unforgiveness on our hearts, that's almost that road railing, if you like, or that rumble strips, um, to, to bring it to our conscience that, okay, we're drifting off a road. Um, so, with that, the most important thing is to follow Jesus, to stay on the road. Um, and with that, we want to clean our house. When we commit to following Jesus and forgiving others, it might mean that there's a process of cleaning our house, taking time to, to go take stock of where we have kept record of wrongdoing, as 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 as said, because we might be harboring unforgiveness that we're unaware of. Somewhere long ago, someone did something and you just did this or that. You blocked it out. You're maybe not even aware of it. And that's a process that would require counseling and accountability would be key in identifying 
things like that. So again, it's a process. It's not an instant thing, but it is something we would need to commit to. So there's a process of cleaning our house now, but then also longer term to commit to that process because we know temptations will come. How are you looking on time? Okay. Um, with that, if we can go to the last scripture, I'd just like to take us through. And this is Mark 11, verse 22 to 25. And this follows just after Jesus and the disciples walked along a road and there was this fig tree not bearing fruit and Jesus cursed it and it died. Um, and then Peter, I realized reading that I'm grateful for um, extroverts like Peter because he asked Jesus a lot of questions. If it was just introverts like some of us, Jesus maybe wouldn't have had that many questions to answer, right? So I appreciate the extroverts among you. Um, but with that, so Jesus answering that question, thanks to Peter, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. See, Jesus is teaching about prayer and authority and walking in the supernatural and life in the kingdom. He's teaching about those things. And then it's like he goes on and he says, and whenever you stand praying, doing what I just told you, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is also in heaven, who is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. It's like Jesus, again, we see, we see it in a lot of places of Scripture, just showing how key it is. We want to walk in what Jesus is calling us for. He says, and whenever you pray, forgive. It's a key foundational aspect in life and the kingdom. So, if we realize this, or it's almost like God passes us the ball. He says, Does, do this, and when you see this unforgiveness, forgive. Um, so the ball is in our hands. He has already forgiven us. Flow through principle. He has paid the price for everything. He has forgiven us. Now the ball is in our court, so to speak. And we need to forgive others. Um, that check that I spoke of earlier, the check has been written to pay for all our sins. For us to cash it in and walk it out, we need to make that decision to forgive others. It's almost like everything is ready. You just need to press, press the button in terms of forgiving others. We have been forgiven by Jesus and we walk it out, show receipt of that by for, forgiving others. Um, are you with me? I like how Debbie asked that. But just in terms of um, for, for the thing that I said about we show we walk it out we walk out the forgiveness that we receive by forgiving others. If over time we don't forgive others, our hearts are gonna get hardened and we're gonna stop following Jesus. We might think in the beginning, okay, we're gonna be steadfast. Maybe we'll even continue going to church, but somewhere along the road we're just not gonna hear him anymore. So grab onto the forgiveness 
which what we have in Christ Jesus, and let's walk this out. And with that, I want to close for us um, in prayer this morning. And maybe as a band comes up, we can, Aubrey, our light switcher. Um, it's not a, a serving team yet, but when Aubrey doesn't sit there, we'll probably need to make it a serving team. Um, I want us, and as we stand, um, just create an opportunity just to take that time to make a commitment towards God. That's, if you feel you are following Jesus and you want to follow Jesus, then to take that further step just in committing to follow in His ways and especially in terms of forgiving others forever. It's not going to be easy. It's not, that's the start of a process. It's not the end of a process. Um, from there we can go into further ministry. So just with that, I'll just close or pray for us. Yeah, Father, we thank you just for your word. Thank you just for your word that is life. But Jesus, you are the word from God and you shine into the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. We thank you for that, just that your word is a lamp onto our feet, Jesus. We thank you that we don't only want to agree with you this morning, Jesus, but we want to follow you. We want to do you. You did not call us just to agree with you, your word. You called us to walk in your ways, Jesus. And with that, Father, I just want to invite you. If you want to commit to just forgiving others, not out of your own strength, but but in following Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand as a, not a sign to men, but a commitment towards God. And, but if you're serious about that, um, I'll just pray for us. And then I just want to give us a few seconds just to commit that to God. Now, Father, I thank you. That's hands are raised, Father, that we can... Let's come commit our lives to you again in this aspect as well. Say, Father, we do not want to be goats. We want to be sheep. We want to do your will, your way, God, not our way, Father. Not We want to stand fast in that freedom in serving you, Jesus. And in that, we just commit to this road of walking in out forgiveness, Father, forgiving others, Father. And where there's hurt, um, Father, we thank you. We won't turn around because of a rock in our road. It might be a difficult road for some, but we just say and acknowledge that we will follow you, Jesus, and we commit to, to forgiving others. Thank you just for that. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one. You forgave us because of what you did on the cross. We were forgiven, and therefore we can forgive, not out of our own strength. Now, thank you just for that truth in each heart, just the greatness of the salvation that we have received, Jesus. Thank you just for the joy of walking in your ways. And I thank you just for you know, where there's Holy Spirit, you would just reveal to us the greatness of the salvation that we have received. With that, you can just, um, if you would just lead us in worship, and we'll take it from there.